This episode is brought to you by the Renovate program, a program specifically built to help busy professionals renovate their everyday to create the time to change. So here's the question. In our professional services businesses where the rules were written decades ago and the world keeps changing, how do we as experts grow our businesses, support our people, meet disruption, all while staying true to ourselves and our values so that we can thrive? That's the question. This is the In Demand Accountant. I'm Sam Dean, your host, and this show explores the answers. Stay tuned and enjoy some brave conversations. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the In Demand Accountant. I'm Sam Dean. Today, I'm super excited to have Susanna Brandsgrove with us. Susanna and I have been friends for quite a while, and we like to talk about particularly our shared passion of women in business, myself from a a woman who's in business and Susanna's from a women in family business. So we're going to really talk about that and talk about business today. Susanna also has a really interesting background in succession planning within family businesses and really talking about and developing personal relationships um, within the business and how that, you know, strengthening the core skills of conversation and relationship brings to successful transitions in family businesses. But rather than me explaining Susanna's story, I would love to throw over to her so she can give us a quick rundown of how we come to be talking to her today and and some of her background story. Welcome. Thank you so much, Sam. Lovely to join you today. Much appreciated. No problem. So tell us your story so far, because it's only just starting. Of course, you did only give me a couple of minutes because I can carry on for a little bit. When you talk about family business, my background is from a family business uh, from Germany, third generation. So my father is a second generation. My grandfather bought the business after the Second World War. So I grew up in a family business, but possibly didn't really quite understand just what that meant. And in my wisdom, left the country, <laughs> followed in a storm by back out here. And at that point pursued my banking and finance career, ended up in funds management, uh, Macquarie Bank in the end, and the global financial crisis really put an end to my corporate career. And I would love to tell the story how I planned the next steps meticulously, and I've always had a vision to be doing what I do today, but sometimes life just takes you in the direction that you should be going in, and I must have just been on the wrong path for a very long time before that. So I actually fell into my first venture into supporting family businesses much more looking at the business governance side and then about seven or eight years ago I left that and started really working on the family governance side and deeply being involved in family systems, family dynamics and getting to solutions from a succession perspective by reshaping communication and relationships on the family side. So I like to say good business comes from good families and good families come from healthy and well individuals within it and without relationships working it doesn't matter what you do on the business side the human element can undo any structure or process or document that you've put in place so that has been my passion create sustainable family businesses and I do that from a consultant side but I also do that as we're going to be talking about on a women and family business perspective so aligning my goals but doing it in two different ways. That's fantastic. I mean, because it's so important, isn't it? I think there's way too much focus on the the governance side of not just family businesses, but also normal businesses. And I think I actually did a podcast a couple of weeks ago on 
that what drives your business is not on actually on spreadsheets. It's the people in it and the fundamental skills that we need around relationship and communication is what drives us forward, particularly in this time of disruption when we're really not sure what's going to happen. And I've been in my own family business. I owned a business with my husband and my parents, and I also was very involved in their solo business as well. The other side of my family, my father, uh, husband's side of the family, went through family succession, obviously, with grazing and stuff like that, which is a, a dynamic. I've done a lot of work myself, particularly around agricultural succession planning, and nothing ruined the family farms more or lost, you know, generational owned businesses more than a breakdown of relationship. So it all contributes back to that. And any kind of transition planning that I've ever done, if you don't get that relationship piece right, don't worry about the rest. So um, the work you do is, is, is phenomenal. And I think it needs to be way more upfront in the modern or any business world, but to, to certainly going on when we need more connection, more heartfelt and everything that's going on in the business. So let's focus on, on your current passion and where you're really starting to drive your resources. So tell us what your really deep motor motivations were around making and starting the Women in Family Business Network and making that a reality. Well, it actually all started off with a very embarrassing epiphany that I had about three years ago <laughs> when I realized that part of what makes me different in my field of work and is that I'm a woman. So I wasn't in fact weird. I, I'm a woman. <laughs> I had the same thing. Oh, okay, right. So so that was a bit of an aha moment, really. And from there, I started to think about all the families I've worked with over the many years and the role the women within those families played or the family businesses played. And I realised that in all the journeys that I've been on with families, that if I didn't have... Well, first of all, if there wasn't a woman who was really passionate or or was seeing the need to help the family be better related to be able to make the family business transition work, if there wasn't one, it was unlikely I would even be involved. And if there wasn't a woman at all, if, if a man had involved me, quite often the journey wouldn't really progress because you can't solve family succession and transition and the issues within it from a business perspective or, as you said, from a spreadsheet perspective. You really need to look at it from a human angle and and understanding what the relationships look like and what's happening in the family systems. Women intuitively understand this and they experience the pain of all the different family members within it. So they have their own pain, whatever that might look like, but they also experience the pain of their siblings or their children and even of their parents and they tend to be very interested in finding ways to be able to remove that pain and find alignment and find a more harmonious way forward and looking at our statistics in the Australian family business sector and this is actually no different the world over we see only 70% or we see 70% of family businesses not making it through the second generation and when we're looking at the reasons behind that these reasons generally tend to sit on the human relationship the family dynamics side so often around, I think 90% they're saying is the breakdown in a viable business is due to the family not being able to agree. For me, when I talk about before creating sustainable family businesses, even if I, if I don't look at this from a female perspective, just on a pure notion that family businesses are falling apart, leaving huge scars for sometimes generations about the loss of this family business within the family, let alone the impact this has on the staff who work for this family business, and for the community around them, 
the flow-through impact is quite significant. And so that in itself for me has always been a reason to say, well, we need to sort of change something. And so by the time I started to realise that the women in these businesses play a critical role and supporting them to be able to understand themselves, understand their family and their family system, help them find a voice and a a way through this to get them to a point where they can help the next person. So it's this concept of we can help one woman in a family business who feels the pain to put an oxygen mask on, to be able to see more clearly, to not be so emotionally impacted, but understand the family members around her better, then maybe that's the pathway to changing what's happening. And when I look at what's been happening, so if we've seen these staggering and terrible statistics that we have been seeing, why haven't statistics improved? Well, the reason for that is half the issue is that we're dealing with a very patriarchal system and, and often um, those in charge of the family businesses are the patriarchs. And of course, what they've grown up with is a patriarchal system, but who they're being advised by are often also men. And so whilst this is not about finger pointing, but there's a preference for solving problems on a rational level. Um, and hence, you know, women and family business is designed to help women help their families put a you know, the family next to the business and solving problems uh, on a more balanced level. I think so. This work should definitely go outside, you know, into not just family businesses, but we are, I'm seeing this so much, um, obviously, in the businesses that aren't necessarily traditional family businesses or just family businesses, uh, sorry, businesses at all. And we work mainly in the professional services businesses and it so, has been so rationally and transactionally based. And this is why we have people burning out. I mean, you'll have why you, you don't have businesses getting to where they are. And that the friction between them as well, you know, in this patriarch. Because, I mean, we've all been put in this. And I think it's so important that we do open this up to women so women can then, you know, show the men, you know, how to do this empathetically and everywhere. Because I find that most guys that I work with and a lot most a lot of our clients are male they actually want to take this on but they're not quite sure how and particularly advisors who have family businesses and they do intuitively know that it's the relationship problems I mean I've had instances in my own experience you know the, the old I don't I'm not worried about it I'll be dead type responses and stuff that kind of is a killer for me when I'm I'm working on an engagement. But twice that has happened. Um, I can tell you those guys did die and both family farms were lost. And because they just couldn't, they didn't know what was happening and they couldn't do it. And then there's that whole, well, we just won't communicate. And then the law courts and everything that start going on after all and they have to have to move. And I think even more sad about any of that is that siblings not talking to each other fathers and sons not talking to each other, daughters not talking to each other, um, and all of this stuff, is it's hard conversation, but with the right skills and openness can be negotiated. You know, I think the work that you're doing is so important, but across the board as well. And I think the more we become aware of it, the more we can find solution going forward, and, and, and the conversation is so important. I think one of the interesting things we talk about, you know, people not talking to each other, I think what amazes me time and time again is that I walk into families and I have no idea how they got themselves to where they got to. I find it staggering that I can walk into a family with 50-year-old children who have mental health issues, they abuse alcohol and drugs, 
because the family system is so toxic to them because their father has never learned how to communicate. Depending on, And it's interesting to see the state of the next generation in their 50s relies a lot on or has relied a lot on the role that mum plays, whether she was a contributor to the conversation around harmony, whether that was important and whether she was hurt in that quest. So really, I'm, I'm, if we sort of think about that, the role of the matriarch, who now is 70 years old, had such a fundamental impact on the mental health of our generation. If we're not starting to balance and support the women in this generation, then what impact does it have on the children of the next generation? And I think what makes me sad is that there's absolutely no doubt that we have to balance conversations, but we can't be aggressive about it and punish those that have grown up to accept the world in a certain way. I mean, we're all talking about privilege and it is a problem that we have, but we can't condemn those that have grown up with privilege for not seeing the world in a different place or way because they've never learned how to. So how do we create a conversation that doesn't damage the next generation, but in fact co-creates with those who have to learn or that have to make room for a different way? And it's a complex issue in particular in family businesses. And I found it fascinating with what's been happening in Australia. And we've seen a lot more women take a stand and point their fingers at situations that are not correct. But the issue in a family business is who are you going to point your finger at? Because the person who you might be pointing your finger at is also absolutely critical and vital to your family business success and for your family's survival. And is also the person who actually does love you and who you love very deeply, whether that's your parent or whether that's a sibling. So you can't just burn bridges because you can't just quickly rebuild them. So how do we actually create a better way and a more inclusive and diverse and more balanced and harmonious way that is really much more complex than what you see in corporate or, or in government organizations so what we're doing at women and family business is exactly that we want to provide tools conversations and pathways for women to be able to navigate this really tricky situation that they and their families find themselves in so you know, leading on to that question, because family businesses do have a support network of advisors and professional service advisors at that, how can they support? Obviously, you know, get them on your website and, and get membership. Do you have any, you know, a couple of ways people could start just literally in little ways opening these conversations, particularly to women, and then obviously getting them involved with you? But does your website also offer or do you offer support for people supporting these families as well or have some tips? Yeah, so we are actually just about to, to launch a membership for the advocates as well because we think this is important to support the advisors, to support the men who's, who understand that different conversations are needed. So a lot of the content that we're providing isn't, isn't necessarily gender-specific, but we're also providing that network framework for women to come together and to share thoughts. When you're talking about before some of the tips for advisors, I think one thing I would like to point out is that it's scary to think that when you talk to women about how they feel about what's happening in regard to advice in their family businesses, that they often explain that they're being excluded, that the advisor is mostly talking to their husband or to their father or to their brother, and that actually when it comes to conversations about important decisions for that business, 
which really impacts the family, they are not being addressed and they're not getting the information that they need. So from an advisor perspective, just consider that there is a whole family sitting behind this. And if you feel that the wife is lagging or the sister or whoever it is, whoever the woman is who you're working with, see if you can find a way to take her aside and if there's any information or any framework that would assist her in better understanding or to have more comfortable conversations with you. Even if it is with a female staff member in your firm, if that is more comfortable, then find comfortable avenues. The other thing, and this is sort of not so much just from a woman's perspective, but from a heart of hearts from what I'm seeing, I often see advisors taking dad's side when it comes to supporting how succession should be structured. And I think so often an objective and logical approach doesn't actually give any allowance for the stories that exist within that family. You can't just make a blanket call because one child hasn't been involved in the family business that they aren't interested or that they aren't emotionally attached to it or that they haven't made sacrifices because the entire family has made sacrifices for this business to get to where it is, whether they work in the business or not. If they had issues around money, everybody suffers. If they're doing well, everybody celebrates. So I often see advisors driving a wedge between dad and the next generation or between members in the family, well-meaning, but probably not understanding that we're dealing first and foremost with humans, fragile humans. What's important is to give a voice to each one of those humans' perspectives before you start creating a succession plan that will exclude some people in that family. And, you know, from personal experience, I can say that's where the magic is, is really spending those one-on-one times interviewing everybody and getting to know them and their stories and and how you can mesh them together because that is our job. And then also getting the other, because quite often you have to have a little bit of a mini army in these things, make sure that everyone is on that same page. And I quite often, I got a lot of blocks when I was doing this work to say, well, that just takes too much time. We don't have the effort for it. This is like leveraging. If you don't do that, it will fall apart later because of that. And it was interesting. You said like, I have always had a rule. If you are married to somebody or you have a family, they need to be always at the table, whether it's the wife's business, the husband should be there and certainly the other way. I always find too that even if you have a wife that doesn't look like she's involved in the business, usually she is the powerhouse. And if you can really connect in and get there, she, there's a subtle help. I don't know if you see that as much as, as I have. I don't, as I said, work with the family businesses, but I certainly work with businesses that might have one owner, not a generational one. Everybody in a business has a support network around them that supports them into the business and they need to be heard and listened to as well. Absolutely. So let's just talk about you for a moment. Sure. <laughs> because obviously Susanna is a absolutely extraordinary entrepreneur herself, has had her own consulting businesses coming out of corporate, but also this. I mean, this is an innovative new way to bring great advice and content um, to people. So as a business owner yourself, what was the best advice you ever received as a, a woman business owner that has impacted your success? It's interesting. I, don't, I can't really say that there's one specific piece of advice, but I do think that what I have been experiencing, that there are a lot of incredibly generous and warm people and collaborative people who are not afraid to support women in their quest and in their journey. I think what's been surprising me, certainly coming out of the corporate landscape where what I experienced was much more women fighting each other for positions because it was easier than fighting men, 
is to step into. <laughs> I want to drill in on that one. <laughs> it was really in the last few years in particular, just the women are so collaborative and generous. And what I tend to sort of find is when you talked about being entrepreneurial, Australia has a very, very high uptake on entrepreneurial activity. And even from a female founder's perspective, it actually has a higher participation rate than other Western countries. However, most female founders tend to prefer to have smaller businesses. So I'm keeping it as, in particular, because we're service and passion focused, so we tend to often provide or have businesses that help people. And therefore, keeping a small risk profile tends to be more comfortable. So most businesses founded by women tend to be service-based, tend to be smaller. Women taking risks and creating businesses that are more complex, like this one is, in fact, and, and I had no idea just how complex it was when I first started it. Um, but they're hard to find. They're not that many female risk takers who are also looking at expansion. So I think there's only a woman understands the kind of pain and issues a woman goes through when it comes to entrepreneurial journeys. So when you do find them, hold on to them and make sure you share ideas with them. That doesn't devalue at all the perspective that men bring, but I tend to sort of, when I look at advice that I would provide to entrepreneurial women, it's we are driven by passion and you should never lose that. So have one person in your camp who can understand your passion, support your passion and remind you of why you're doing this, who has a more empathetic touch and have one person who holds you to business performance because one without the other will not see you survive. You can't be all about passion but break financially and you can't be all be about performance but lose your passion. So you need two different kind of people to be able to nurture and feed both sides. Yes, one thing I'm super passionate about is bringing the feminine and masculine into business, which is exactly what you're talking about there. I say it in a slightly different way. <laughs> and that's hard to balance as an individual. I mean, my best advice is you don't, it's all about the who and not the what. And even if you're small, surround yourself with a collaborative network of people that aren't necessarily employees or even paid coaches or coaches or whatever that is. And you're right about, so um, 1%, less than 1% of businesses that turn over a million dollars are female-led in the world. And this American stats, same here. So that's one of my passions is to change that stat. And for all of those reasons you said, my theory is, but also we haven't had it modelled. So what does that look like? How can we actually maintain our flow and our energy and do the things that we want to do and have great businesses that empower people. I think that... When you work that out, Sam, how, this whole, how it's going to be perfectly balanced. With there's no perfect, there's no balance too, by the way. It's all about flowing up and down. And I think that that's the key is that it's one person. So it's like, how do you mesh your wants and needs together? And what does success look like for you? Like, that's what you've got to concentrate on. What does success look like for you? And if that's working a minimum or having this kind of thing, guys, keep, keep, keep to that. I think that that becomes a lot harder in the family business because the players are emotionally and as everyone, it, it's still something that needs to be looked at, but it does become harder. And you are right. We all have to collaborate, everybody. We all have to get together and really have these really interesting conversations, sit without judgment um, and say, what can we do? What might work? What might not? Um, and have conversations about, about feelings and vulnerability. And it is vulnerable, but Jesus opens up a whole lot of beauty as well. Going forward. Usually before you get to the beauty, you get to the can of worms. So get that out of the way first, then get to the beauty part. <laughs> always a there's a messy middle and it happens about every 40 or so seconds but 
thousands all the time. But yeah, I mean, one thing I've learned in the last five or six years is is having those conversations. But the important thing is, is to have them with the appropriate people as well at the appropriate time. This is something that needs to have frame and ask permission and stuff as well. One little interesting question that I was kind of pointing out there is, is there a difference between the advice that you, you would give other women if you were talking or in the collaboration than you do to those taking over a family business so they're actually going into leadership in them? So it sort of brings it back to why we, the Women and Family Business Network exists in the first place. Creating your own business or being away from a, from your family and, and having a career in corporate, it's very much around being able to create your own space. So when people talk about following your passion, having your why, surrounding yourself with good advisors, putting some frameworks behind that, the ability to self-motivate and enact that is much greater than being in a family business where you might have just seen somebody speak who's very inspirational or you've just been given some advice that empowers you to, or it sort of inspires you rather. But then you're stepping back into the family business and the first person you come across is your brother who thinks it's all a really stupid idea. So, so the mojo just goes out of it. And so you cannot solve your own issues if you don't understand what the family system looks like and what the behaviours patterns are that have been created within it. They're completely different issues to address from a completely different angle and the reality is you're never going to be able to control your own journey altogether. So you need to understand that and also therefore see the differences in what you're picking up externally and how you implement that when you're building your own business or creating your own brand, you don't have to do that. So it's much more complex, much more interwoven. And again, that's why we exist, because we understand that. So I've come from a family business. I've been seeing women in family business and family business members full stop dealing with these issues that they're confronted with by the pure nature of being part of a family in business. So let's actually understand it, see it, give legitimacy to it. Also give legitimacy to the fact that whilst an entrepreneurial woman has the issue often of the stress of building a business sometimes is also a wife might be a mother. When you're in a family business, also this concept of being the glue that holds the family together, because if you don't do it, it's probably going to break. And being hugely aligned with or often feeling responsible for the legacy of that family. There are another two or three roles that come on top of that that you need to balance. So as you can see, so your traditional support frameworks probably can't address that. So you need a different support framework of people who live that and content that's created specifically for it to be able to understand what it is that is different about you and your journey fantastic thank you that was such great insight and I certainly learned a lot there as well that nuance in it I certainly have facilitated it somewhat but never really been involved with my family businesses that I had I was the matriarch <laughs> my way or the highway basically. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow probably not the, the greatest thing to do but that was superb Susanna just can you just give us the, the website and where they might be able to follow you on social or they can find some more about you yes so it's womeninfamilybusiness.com you can come and join us um, and get some of our free content sign up for membership for more awesome content also to access some of the events that we're just about to kick off whether it's coffee conversations which brings our podcasts to life or whether they're inside events with inspirational speakers. We've got a lot coming up, so it'll be wonderful to be able to see 
more people come and join the conversation to make it richer for everybody who's involved. So we, we're very passionate about providing this outlet and the, the know-how to be able to help women manoeuvre their own leadership, family leadership and business leadership. We said it's a little bit more complex in this space. We are, of course, also on LinkedIn and Facebook, and I'm, I'm told we're on Insta, but I really just don't quite understand that I'm space. So. <laughs> Everyone says, oh, where are you on Insta? I'm going, no. <laughs> Okay, so everyone check out, the, those links will all be down in the show notes, so check them out. And I really, as a call to action on this particular podcast, can you sh please share it? Anyone you might have in the network that either advises women in family business or are women in family business, share this particular episode with them. I think there was so much information that Susanna gave there that is easily digestible and might start somebody on a journey that might just make the difference. Let's continue this conversation. It's a really important conversation to have. And as always, be brave. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Sam. If you want to get a different result from your business and you're sick and tired of spinning on the same hamster wheel every year, we are running a series of workshops that will get you off it. They're very pragmatic. You'll come away with a plan and then also the skills to actually execute the plan as well. So set up a one-on-one -on -one call with me for 15 minutes and explore if this is right for you. And as usual, we look forward to continuing the conversation and be brave.